without further ado, uh, can you guys give a huge hand to our youth pastor, Zach? Check, check. Woo, there we go. Can we give it up for Travis? All right. How are we this morning? Are you good? I, uh, how good was this morning? Man, I'm so grateful for a church that doesn't just sing songs to sing them or preach just to preach, but allows the Spirit of God to move. And not only stop there, but to allow the people to come up, come up front and testify. Because there's some churches that maybe only let the pastor speak or a priest speak or some sort of leader speak. But I'm grateful that we allow our people, you guys, to speak in this church, to release what God's doing in your heart, in your life. The Bible says we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony and not loving our lives so much as to unto death. And so I'm so grateful that, that all of you came up and shared and testified and released what God's doing in your heart. Can we give an amen? If you are wondering, the Broncos are winning. And so that's another praise report. And I know some of you don't care. And Pastor Mike's not a big Bronco fan, but I have a neighbor who plays for the Broncos. And uh, he wanted to be here so bad today, but they're playing in Minnesota. And God is good. This is a, this is a testimony. Uh, he caught his very first touchdown pass this morning. And if you watch this back, Troy, I love you and I'm proud of you and God is good. And uh, amen. Okay, so let's get right into it. This morning, uh, I want to preach a message. If you've got a Bible, uh, here at this church, we preach and read right out of the Word of God. We believe it's living, it's active, it's alive, it can change your life, transform your life. And it's, it's not even about what I say, but it's about the Word of God, His very Word being proclaimed and spoken into your heart and into your life. And so this morning, that's what we're believing. If you've got a Bible, We'll be in John chapter 15 this morning. John chapter 15. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be on these giant screens behind me. John chapter 15. We're gonna start with just a, two singular verses just to set a framework for this morning and then we'll read the rest of it in just a moment. In John chapter 15, verse four, this is what the Bible says. These are Jesus's words. He says, remain in me, as I also remain in you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. One other framework scripture for this morning is in Acts chapter 17, verse 28. The Bible says, for in him, in Jesus, we live and move and have our being. Remain in me as I also remain in you, for in him we live and move and have our being. The title for my message this morning is, There's Reason to Remain. There's reason to remain. What I'd like to do this morning, and maybe for our younger audience, uh, a catchy Drake line to title this message would be, Just Hold On, We're Going Home. Just Hold On, We're Going Home. That was for you. My little brother's here. Can we give it up for my little brother? This morning, I want to talk about this idea of of remaining. And I want to encourage somebody who maybe is in the room this morning and says, I'm right on the brink of giving up. I'm right on the edge of making a decision I maybe don't really want to make, but I'm just at this point where I want to give up. 
I don't know if I can do it any longer. I don't know if I can keep moving forward in this marriage. I don't know if I can stand this job another day. I don't know if I can keep going to church. I don't know about this Jesus thing. I got saved and gave my life to him, but I don't know if I can keep going another day. I want to talk this morning about remaining, about hanging in there. I believe that Jesus' words would encourage us this morning to remain. That regardless of what we're walking through, regardless of how difficult, and I'm not up here to minimize what you're walking through. I know there's people in the room, myself included, that are walking through very real needs and very real difficulties. But I believe the scriptures, I believe Jesus this morning is going to speak to us around this idea of hanging in there, this idea of remaining. Let me ask you, have you ever said a word, you know, you say a word so many times, so frequently, that it no longer sounds like a word, or, or it stops losing its meaning? You know what I mean? Like, you just say this word like, like promise, and you just keep saying promise, 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 and, and there becomes a point in time where it no longer even sounds or feels like a word. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, or maybe it's in like a, you're writing something and you write, you're typing an email to a, a coworker and you, you're writing this email and you keep writing this word. And the more you look at this word, the less it looks like a real word. I've had times in my life where I'll even ask my wife, I'll be like, is this, is, is that a word? And it's like, of course that's a word, but, but it's something that happens in our mind. And I, I thought it was just a random thing. And until recently, somebody was kind of teaching me about it. And there's actually a, a medical term for this. It's called, uh, it's called semantic satiation. Semantic satiation, and this is the definition. It's when a word is repeated so often that it loses its meaning or no longer sounds like a word. Semantic satiation. When a word is repeated so often, it loses its meaning or no longer sounds like a word. Speech therapists actually use this to help people with speaking disabilities. They use this backwards to help train them and help them get over their insecurity or their anxiety or their fear around speech. They use semantic satiation. And in this text that we're about to read in John chapter 15, just to kind of bring you up to speed in this timeline, Jesus is about to have a conversation with his disciples. Actually, in John 15, he's already in the middle of it. And he's having this conversation with his disciples. And if you're new to this context, the disciples were just the 12 people that followed Jesus and were his closest group. And so he's about, the, we, can, we can basically come to a conclusion that Jesus has less than 24 hours left on the earth. Less than 24 hours before he goes and hangs on a cross to die for you and for me. And in these final moments, there are a couple key things that Jesus wants to teach his disciples before he goes to heaven. And so in John 15, we're reading this text and this conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples. And there's this word that keeps showing up. There's this word that if we're not careful, we may read this story time and time and time and time again, but because it so frequently appears in this text, we may just not even realize what he's saying. A little semantic satiation happening. Like maybe even just question like Jesus, like I could imagine if Jesus had an editor, they'd probably read this script and read this discussion and be like, Jesus, are you sure you wanna use this word that many times? Like, are you sure? Like you're using it an awful lot. I think my English teacher would have failed me. 
But Jesus, we know this about Jesus, that every word that came out of his mouth was true. That every word that came out of his mouth had a reason, had purpose, there was intention behind it. And so as we read this, I want you really to get it deep into your heart. John chapter 15. Let's just, we're gonna read a chunk of scripture. Just stay with me. Listen to this. These are words of Jesus. He says this. I am the true vine. And my father, he's the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it'll be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. See, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withered. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me, my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I've kept my Father's command, and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. We just read 17 verses of Jesus' dialogue, but in a seven seven verse chunk right there in the middle of that thing, Jesus used the word remain or the Greek word back then, meno, he used it 10 times in seven verses. 10 times in seven verses, Jesus says, remain, remain, remain. I can imagine him looking at his disciples and almost shaking them and just saying, if I can leave you with something, it's this, remain. A few weeks ago, if you were at church, Pastor Marcus gave an amazing message out of, he was preaching right out of Matthew chapter 11, where Jesus gives this invitation, and he says, come. He says, come to me. Jesus, he says, come to me. That'd be invitation part one, yeah, is to come. Invitation part two would be remain. I think that as Jesus is saying this word over and over and over again, he's not just speaking to that that present moment that he was having 2,000 years ago. But I think he was speaking to the heart of our human condition. That at the core of us as human beings, we have a really, really, really tough time just remaining. All throughout humanity, from Adam and Eve, the very first people we see, they're in perfect utopia in the Garden of Eden with God himself, and they have trouble remaining. They eat the fruit and they, what do they do? They begin to run. They begin to run and remove themselves from God. 
And all throughout, even the disciples, we see it over and over and over again. Jesus, as he goes up to the cross, only John, the disciple, is, is at the cross when Jesus is hanging there. Some days pass and some of the disciples even go back to fishing. They go back to doing the thing they were doing before they knew Jesus. I think that Jesus just knew, man, it is, it's tough. Remaining can be one of the hardest things in our lives to do. It's so much easier, isn't it? Just, man, when things aren't going my way, when, I'm, when it's difficult or I'm met with resistance, so much easier just to say, I'm out. Oh, this friendship is challenging me and I don't agree with all of their opinions and their stances, so I'm out. This job doesn't notice me or doesn't recognize me or acknowledge my worth or my, I'm out. It's so much easier to to run or remove yourself than just to just remain. I think that Jesus is speaking to that, that part of our human condition. I think even back to when I was in, in high school, I remember cell phones and I like, I love technology. I love it. And I loved, I love cell phones and all this stuff. And growing up in high school, I don't know why, but the phone companies would force you to be in a two-year contract. They would make you keep your cell phone for two years, which is, I guess, great if you get like the top of the line phone, but my very first phone, and I'm grateful for my first phone, but it was this like dinky flip phone that couldn't take pictures, no music, nothing. Some of us still use them. God bless you. Ironically, sometimes I wish I could go back. That's a different message. But even the phone companies, I think they, they, they even began to realize our human can, we don't want to wait two years. At least millennia, like you go to the Apple store the day those phones are released and there is a line even today. I was at, even this, like nowadays, even at Cherry Creek Mall, my wife and I were walking through the mall, didn't even realize it was launch day and there's just a line. It's like, what are these people doing with their lives? Waiting for a new phone. Can't remain. Can't remain. But Jesus, he is. He's speaking to to you and to I, and he's saying, hey, I know that that it's going to be hard. I know there's going to be days where you feel like giving up, throwing in the towel. He's calling it quits. But I'm going to urge you and encourage you to remain to remain. Throughout this entire text, Jesus is drawing a parallel in a picture of a vine, a vine and a branch. And, and our friend Travis works in a nursery and he actually brought this tree just for this text, just to communicate this point that Jesus over 2,000 years ago was trying to teach his disciples. And it was this, he was communicating that, that I am the true vine, Jesus says. I am the true vine, you are the branches. I think the first thing Jesus is doing there is he is giving us a precedence and showing us, hey, this is the way this thing works. I'm the true vine. You're the branches. In me, you'll have life. In me, you'll be able to bear fruit. In me, you'll be able to produce. But apart from me, guess what? Good for nothing. Jesus literally says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, this is what you are. 
funny, even the way our, our language works is that this was a branch when it was connected to the vine. But as soon as it broke off and fell to the ground, it's now just a, a stick. It's a stick. What's it good for? <laughs> Nothing but a fire. Jesus even says that, man. He says that, uh, let's find it. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Why? Because they are good for nothing else. These are branches falling to the ground. They're now just a stick. Real interesting, though, how not only does the name of this change when it's not connected to this, but its purpose changes. I want to tell you that you find your purpose in remaining in Jesus. You don't find your purpose on falling off the, off the vine and just doing things on your own. But, but sometimes we do that. We accept Jesus into our heart and into our life and we say we surrender, but we don't truly surrender because we think that we have to find our purpose on our own. God, you're good. You saved me. But no, God is good enough to sustain you. God is that good that he'll save your life and he'll even keep sustaining you as you continue going. But instead we just think, oh man, maybe I'm better off on my own. And I think that one of the things that disconnects us from the vine quicker than any other than sin would be pride. I think that pride is one of the things that pulls us right off this vine of Jesus quicker than anything. I'm talking about pride even as we sit here in church, even as I sit here in church and listen to messages being taught, but sit in the seats thinking, been here, done that. Oh, I know that scripture. Oh, I've learned that lesson. Oh, I've heard that message. Oh, I've seen that illustration. Great illustration, preacher. Bring the tree up to talk about John 15. Like, I've been there, I get it. But I think even just the pride of self-sufficiency, self-dependence, this, oh, I can do it on my own. We hide behind these facades of pride and, and, and its success and finance and whatever it may be. And really what's happening is our lives are becoming a mile wide, but only an inch deep. Mile wide, but just if we cracked it open, man, underneath the success and under, underneath the, the finances, it's just inch deep. No roots. Why? Because roots come from remaining. You don't remain, you don't get roots. So we can bounce from place to place, from church to church, job to job, marriage to marriage, but what God is calling us to do is to remain. What God is calling us to do is to dig into the soil and trust Jesus and lean on Jesus above our own understanding and say, God, it's all about you. I'm not good enough on my own. On my own, I will end up in the worst places, and I have before. I will spin my wheels over and over and over again, getting myself nowhere until I'm connected to you. Jesus is saying, apart from me, you can do nothing. Sorry to burst your bubble, but you're just a branch. And if you're, yeah, if you're not lucky, you'll just get cut off the, the vine altogether and just be a stick. But Jesus is saying, no, if you remain in me, another version would say, if you remain in life union with me, you will bear much fruit. 
This is the promise of Jesus, that if you will just, he's not saying do all of these amazing, big, he's just, just remain in me. That's the simplicity of the gospel. He says, come, and he says, remain. That's it. Religion makes it about all of these rules and all of these regulations and all of these requirements. And Jesus says, come, remain. That's it. That was the qualifications Jesus set for bearing fruit. Come to me, remain in me. Come to me, remain in me. Come to me, remain in me. There are things that maybe could cut us off of this thing real quick. I think that sin disconnects us from God. And I'm not saying there's not grace, mercy, forgiveness, redemption. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, but, but maybe the scariest thing that can pull us off of this vine are, are the subtleties. These, these little subtle things that we can do in our lives that if we're not careful, we think we're connected, but slowly but surely we're just drifting and drifting and drifting and drifting and drifting and drifting. And then we get into this moment of need and desperation and we cry out, Jesus, where are you? And he's saying, I'm the vine, bro. I didn't move. You moved. Like, I'm planted. I'm right here. You know where I am. You know where to find me. You're just slowly disconnected. You stop spending time in the word. You stop getting up and, and, and praying. And, and, and I wish that it could happen another way, but it can't. Jesus had to do this. Jesus, you'll see all throughout the scripture, would retreat and spend time with his father. Why? He would retreat because he knew the importance of remaining. He knew that by retreating and spending time with my father, I'm able to remain in the vine. So what's he calling us to do? He's calling us to remain. He's calling us to stay connected. The English definition for this word remain would be this. It would be to continue to exist, especially after other similar people or things have ceased to exist. Continue to exist, especially after other similar people have ceased to exist. The art of remaining is that even if you see other people fall away, you stand firm. Uh, especially youth and young people. You see your friends kind of doing it in their own way, their own strength. Maybe I'll go down this route. Don't run. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody comes to the Father except through Jesus. He's the vine. We have to remain in him. I love what, there, there's this moment, and I just, I know that it's already 10 after 12, but there's this moment in the scriptures. It's in John chapter six, and, and Jesus is teaching his disciples again and having these conversations, and he's, he's giving them hard lessons and hard teachings. And the Bible says this, this is what it says. It says, a lot of people, they just, they left. They stopped following Jesus. There's, this is too much. This is too hard. I'm out. And this is what the Bible says. In John chapter 6, at this point, many people turned away and they deserted Jesus. So what does Jesus do? He turns to the 12 and he asks, are you also going to leave? 
Everybody's leaving and he looks at the disciples and he's asking this question. Are you going to remain? You're seeing every other person leave. Are you going to leave too? It is a choice to remain. It is our choice. Jesus looks at the disciples. He doesn't tell them. He doesn't say, you're my disciples. You will follow me. You will remain. You're going to stay right here on my coattails and you're going to do signs and wonders and miracles and you're going to see all these healings and you're going you're to do it. No, he says, are you also going to leave? He asks them a question like, what are you going to do? And Peter replies, Lord, where would we go? To whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. Peter's like, Jesus, where would I go? I think that in that moment, Peter is having recollection and remembering who he was before he met Jesus. Before I met you, Jesus, I was a fisherman. I wasn't even good at it. Like, where else am I going to, I'm not good at anything. Where else am I going to go? Before I met you, I was casting, catching fish and they stink. But now we're seeing all these signs and these wonders and these miracles and I'm walking with you and not only am I seeing the signs, wonders and miracles, but I'm experiencing abundant life. My life went from empty to abundance. Why? Because I'm connected to you. It's not about what you know. It's about who you know. It's about knowing Jesus. It's about staying connected to Jesus. If you're not experiencing abundant life, I want to propose to you this morning that maybe you have drifted. Maybe you're not still remaining in Him. Paul, as he's concluding his life, he's writing this final letter to Timothy. And I love what he says in 2 Timothy. He says this, he says to to Timothy, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. As Paul's looking back on his life, the one thing he's excited about, the one thing that fires him up is what? I remained. I have fought the fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I've remained against the beating and the mocking and the persecution and the people laughing at me and people calling me names, people looking at me and saying, you follow Jesus. What? Like, come on, man. It's like 2019. Like you're still believing and you're still going to church. You're still reading the Bible. I thought this was an ornament on my mother's table. Like, what are you doing? Like, really? You really think this stuff? Yeah, I do believe that this still works. I do believe that if you remain in Jesus, you will bear much fruit. I do believe if you just stay connected to Jesus, he will do a good work in you and through you. But you got to remain. You got to remain. As we conclude, I want to tell you this morning, there's reason to remain. There's reason to remain. If you feel like giving up on maybe even your kids, maybe you got kids that have drifted from God and you've been praying, but you feel like giving up, man, don't give up. Just keep, remain. Maybe you've contemplated with depression or, or suicide. Don't give up. Remain. 
Maybe you've contemplated, don't give up. Remain. In the Bible, this final little illustration, Jesus tells the story of, we call it the prodigal son. And basically what happens is there's two sons. His father has two sons, older son, younger son. Younger son says, Father, all right, I'm ready to go off and do my own thing. I want my half of your estate. And so the father, he says, all right, you ask, here you go. He gives his son his half of the estate and he goes off and that younger son lives recklessly, wild and crazy and spends all that money and all that inheritance, just boom. Meanwhile, the older son, he stays with the father. He stays there in the house and he's working and he's doing stuff and tending the fields and he stayed. The scripture goes on and the younger son, as he comes to his end, he decides, I'm coming. I have nowhere else to go. I'm going back to my father. So he goes back to his father and as he's making his way back to his father, his father comes running towards him. And he brings the younger son in, the father does. He brings the, the younger son in. He throws him this crazy party, elegant party and kills the fattened calf. Just, I mean, filet mignon and the best of the best, man. Sushi, I hope. That's my version. And they're partying and this older son is upset and he's angry and he looks at his father and he says, dad, really? My brother's a loser, excuse me. He ran off and just spent all your money, lived recklessly and wild and he comes back and you throw him a party? What? And if we're not careful, we'll stop there in the story and think, man, that, that older son, he was so entitled. And, and, and he probably was maybe. But, but if we stop the story there and we don't read what the father says back to the son, we're missing one of the biggest points in this story. And it's this. The father looks back at his son and he says, my son, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. My son, you've remained with me. Everything I have It's yours. I want to tell you this morning as we conclude that this is the heart of our Father in heaven. That when we remain in Jesus, everything he has is ours. He just says, you're my son. You're now a co-heir with me. You labor with me. We're together in this thing. Everything I have is yours. You want it? Just ask. You'll receive. Everything. Why do we? We can remain in Jesus. We can be with him. We can trust him. We can look to him. We can lean on him. We can remain in him. As we conclude this morning, I want to pray. And if we even just bow our heads and close our eyes. Some of you are hearing this and maybe you're resonating and you're saying, I've been remaining and it's been amazing. But for others of you, either maybe you've never accepted Jesus. You've never entered into this life union with him. Maybe you're feeling like a stick, just a dead stick that isn't producing anything. Maybe you accepted Jesus into your life at one time, but you say, I'm not remaining in him. I'd just like us all to close our eyes for a moment of just concentration. Just be honest with yourself. Be honest before God, because I believe that there's an 
invitation, even this morning, even this morning for somebody in the room to say, yeah, I've drifted. Yeah, I know if I search my soul, I'm not connected to Jesus anymore. Or yeah, I've never accepted Jesus. And to be honest, I'm at my wit's end done spinning my wheels and trying to do this on my own, all my efforts, all my energy, I'm ready. So if that's you, you either want to get reconnected to the vine or you want to connect for the very first time ever. Every eye closed, would you just lift your hand so I could pray for you? Thank you. Praise God, praise God. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Come on, let's just all, would you all just repeat after me? Let's just say, Jesus, I choose you and I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that you are Lord. And I apologize, God, for drifting away from you, for thinking I could do it on my own for running after worthless ambitions. And today I choose to connect back to you. I give you my life. I give you my heart. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Can we just give a round of applause? There was about, I don't know, seven, eight hands.